0: Good to have you back here on Sports Talk as uh, we get going on a Monday afternoon. Steve Kaplow, it's with you live, Border City Alehouse, 1506 Lee Trevino. Getting you ready for uh, two hours talking sports with you before we give way to John Teicher, who's just up the street at Hudson's. And a matter of fact, I don't even know, have we done a show this year where we're at the Alehouse and John's at Hudson's? Steve, there have been times where we've had the show on
1: the same day, but I don't think we've had one like this. I, if not, I like if I'm not mistaken, I love this.
0: I love it, too. Uh, UTEP football with Dana Dimmel going to be 6-7 to tonight. Uh, John will join us in a couple hours. Excited about that. Miners coming off that uh, dominant win over FIU. We're getting ready for cards and Niners out here at the Ale House. In fact, oh, we got great stuff going on. First off, uh, everybody's here. We are loaded uh, on the show today. We've got uh, our whole crew. Not only is Adrian here, but we've got Chema, we've got UTEP Zay, we've got the party going on. It's house party, 600 ESPN El Paso style at our Lubingo Oil Changer Studios. We're hanging out with you, getting ready for what uh, will be a great, great night. And looking forward to watching that Monday night game with you here. We've got some amazing prizes, too. Amazing prizes that you can uh, be a part of. In fact, uh, Black Friday right around the corner. You know what that means for all you music fans? It means um, if you love Record Store Day, you get Record Store Day Black Friday. And uh, there are hundreds of titles on Friday the 25th. Uh, Quantities limited, but you can come down early to all that music and video Friday. They will get started at 9 a.m. out at the Fountains of Farah, They're newly remodeled and expanded location directly below the Best Buy parking lot. And they'll have all those Great Black Friday limited releases for you to enjoy. They've also given us cards and Niners bottle opener keychains, DVDs from both teams from their Super Bowl years, and those insulated lunch bags. That is our staple of prizes this year from our friends at All That Music and Video. Also, two family four packs. to see the Rhinos uh, for a home game. That we're going to be giving away. Golf out at Horizon Golf, also part of our prize package just for dropping by. And uh, signing up, we'll give it away at halftime for the Monday night game. Three, four, five dollar pints. Uh, we've also got four dollar um, shots of. Yep, uh, you guessed it, folks. Um, we have um, some some great shots. Five dollar black and black, uh, five dollar Jack, I should say, and Jack flavors. That's the most important thing. And um, you got to come down and check it out. In fact. That's what it's all about uh, out here at Border City House, And uh, looking forward to seeing everybody come down and uh, be part of the program today. All right. Um, I want to say hello to Chema and UTEP Zay because uh, they're a big part of our Monday show as well. Guys, good to have you both on the program. Um, Adrian called for a 17-13 FIU win on Saturday. I called a similar score. I thought UTEP would win in a close game. Neither of us expected what took place Saturday out at the Sun Bowl. Did the two of you think it was going to be as lopsided in UTEP's favor, or did you agree that either FIU would win or it would be a close game and UTEP would pull it out?
2: You know what, Steve? I just want to say hi. How are you doing today?
0: I'm good, Chema.
2: But um, honestly,
0: I was at this FIU game. Don't lie to me, Chema. Don't lie to me. Tell me what you thought before Saturday's game.
2: I honestly, I I kind of figured UTEP was gonna win. I had high hopes UTEP was gonna win. Oh, I didn't think they'd win like that.
0: I don't <laughs> know if anybody thought it'd be like that. That's, I mean, that's a that's that's a stretch. I'm with you, but you thought UTEP would pull it out. Yeah. Okay. You had hope.
2: Yes. You had did. hope.
0: What about you, Zay?
2: Um, I think I was I was on the the UTEP first. And t- I said they would win by ten, thirty to twenty. So.
0: Wow. I had the boy. most hope out of, out of everybody. Boy, boy. Adrian, <laughs> they've got more hope than we have. Uh, it's, it sounds like these two uh, both believed in UTEP a little more than us. Look, I thought it would be a close game and the Miners would pull it out. Uh, you took FIU, and I don't blame you. I mean, the Miners had not looked good prior to their bye week.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, UTEP did uh, nothing to give us kind of that confidence in this one. And I thought it was just going to be a battle of two, four, and six teams uh, grinding yeah. it out to the end. And I, I just thought that uh, in the end, FIU could have taken it. But UTEP proved me wrong. They proved everybody wrong. And you know what, Steve? I actually, the more and more I take a, a step back from that game and the more I look at it, they kind of yeah. take a new identity with Calvin Brown holds a quarterback. And, and that kind of gives you that excitement that, uh, you know, it, you, UTEP head coach Dana Dimmel was talking to today at his press conference, uh, and he was talking a little bit about how Gavin Hardison is currently day-to-day. But more more than just that, he was talking about how proud he was of Calvin Brownholds and how much he felt like he could trust him in that game. And I think that's the biggest thing. If you could trust your quarterback in that position to lead you forward, uh, that's good for UTEP trying to go to a bowl game and beat the best team in the conference USA and UTSA.
0: Well, first off, look at the stats, okay? Stats never lie. Calvin was 12 of 18. For 190 yards and two touchdowns, he added uh, eight rushes for 31 yards and a touchdown. And, you know, the only downside to Brownholtz was he lost one ball, had one fumble that he lost when uh, he was blitzed and never saw it coming. So other than that, you're right. I thought Brownholtz played a really nice game. But the Miners put 335 rushing yards up on 61 carries. That was your story. I mean, between Ray Flores, Ronald Awad, and Dion Hankins, goodness gracious. I mean, those three were the three-headed monster, and they did what we said they had to do in first and 10. But when we give our preview of that game and what we would like to see them to do to win, most of the time, Adrian, we never expect it to go to script the way we draw it up, right? We just don't. We don't think it's going to happen like that. Like we said, hey, UTEP want to win? They need to just run the ball and run it right down the uh, Panthers' throats. And that's what they did. They did the exact thing we thought they would do. But in the game plan, sometimes what you hope, what happens and what actually happens are two totally different things.
1: And UTEP really feasted off a bad rush defense that FIU has. I, I have to look at that UTEP run, run game and look at just the play distribution. 61 rush plays to just 18 pass attempts that they had on offense. That tells you all you need to know about this UTEP team and what they prioritize. Uh, you know, there's an argument out there. It doesn't matter if it's Calvin Brown holds or Gavin Hardison. If UTEP's running the ball and they're uh, running it for over Fifty times in a single game. That's usually that usually means a good thing for this UTEP squad. They prove that when
0: they are running the ball effectively, they're pretty hard to beat. They are. They absolutely are. Now, um, by the way, let's uh, put it this way: Do we expect? And you asked me this question on Minor Talk Saturday when I called in. You said, do, "Do you think it's going to continue against UTSA?" And the uh, the easy answer is no. I don't because despite uh, beating a average to uh, below average football team like they did against FIU, UTSA is really really good. And when you look at their record and you realize they're 9 and 2, 7 and 0 in Conference USA and you look at their uh, body of work over the last 7 games, they were tested on the road against UAB, they were tested at home against North Texas and they were tested at home against Western Kentucky. But other than that, they beat FIU 30 to 10, beat La Tech 51 to 7, beat Rice 41 to 7, um beat Middle Tennessee 45 to 30. So, you know, they've had three close games, Adrian, and four that were not so close. Either blowouts or games where they won by two touchdowns or more.
1: You know what? One of the things that we also have to factor in, and, and I think Sal Montes hit this on the nail on the head when he was talking here on Minor Talk on Saturday, is that it's also a UTSA team that is A, vying to try to get into a New Year's Six Bowl. UCF having a significant loss over the weekend in Navy, UTSA being ranked uh, to start off this week. So, yeah, they want to get into a New Year's Six Bowl if that's possible, if they are the at large bid out of the group of five. And then B, UTSA, that's their senior day for a lot of these out. Outstanding players we're talking about. Frank Harris, most notably, one of the best quarterbacks uh, in Conference USA. This is his final game. He wants to go out on a on a bang, and uh, this is a, a huge game for uh, the Roadrunners, just like the Miners.
0: Now, let's say this, okay? If UTEP can run the ball on UTSA, control the clock, keep their offense off the field, and wear down their defense, they've got a chance to stay in the game. I won't say they have a chance to win. They have a chance to stay in the game. Because we all pretty much agree that UTEP will need to have a pretty flawless game and UTSA will have to make mistakes in order for the minors to have a chance, right? That's pretty much conventional wisdom because these two teams, the way they stack up, uh, UTSA is by far the class of Conference USA. Now, I will also say, though, that all that being said, Brown-Holtz intrigues me for a lot of reasons. Number one, there's not a lot of tape on him. Just really one and a half games this season and, and and just a handful of plays unlike Gavin Hardison that has three uh, years worth of tape. So, if you think about it, Brownholtz is is uh, riding high. The team is playing well with him and confidence can, can take you some places. It really can. So, I'm interested to see a UTEP team with Brownholtz. Um, I know you tweeted out the Gavin Hardison story earlier and the update on Gavin. He's practicing now and you know, he's he's getting closer, but we know what UTEP can do with Gavin Hardison. We still don't know really what UTEP can do with Calvin against good teams because he hasn't played in a game like Saturday before as a starting quarterback.
1: Yeah, that's a great point right there. I think the only game that you can even put comp- comparable to that one is uh, the pandemic-shortened season where Calvin Brownholds took his first career start uh, in place of Hardison at that point, who was ruled out. He probably had COVID, never was confirmed. Uh, but yeah. Calvin was playing in that game with uh, UTEP trying to become 500 and make a case to try to get to a bowl game. Now, that was another really big contest he played in. But another thing you have to mention is not only is this a huge one for Calvin Brownholds' biggest game of his career, Career. It could be his his last game. You know he he's yep. uh, he was honored this weekend as a senior. Uh, you reflect on this UTEP UTSA rivalry. The Roadrunners have beat UTEP five straight times going into this contest. So uh, imagine if uh, Calvin Brownholtz ends his career at UTEP on, on the on a high note against the Roadrunners.
0: All right, look, we got so much to talk about from the UTEP football win. We'll do that with your phone calls. But coming up next. The story that everybody is talking about around this area. What went down over the weekend in Albuquerque and its effect on the New Mexico State men's basketball program. We'll have Colin Deaver next as we get live uh, from uh, Border City El House on a Monday. Great to have you as we send it over right now to Charlie One and get our first traffic update of the afternoon. 18 past the hour as Sports Talk continues live border city alehouse as we uh, roll along here on a monday getting you ready for utep football with dana dimmel at six and our monday night game 49ers and the cards giving away a lot of prizes at the half so come down and join us and four dollar fireball five dollar jack and jack flavors and two and three four and five dollar pints on pint night here on the program Uh, Colin Deaver has been uh, busy like everybody else has, uh, tracking the uh, weekend shooting involving a New Mexico State uh, men's basketball player that has been identified as Mike Peek. In fact, he's about to go on in about 10 minutes on the 430 News to lead it off uh, as we bring him on the program. Colin, thanks for taking some time. I know you're on a tight schedule, so first off, appreciate you joining us. Yeah,
3: happy to do this. Uh, Thanks for having me on, Steve.
0: You got it. Now, what's really interesting to me is that about 30 minutes ago, New Mexico State issued a and a on their newsroom website with a lot of answers to questions that some of us had, especially yeah. uh, in terms of Mike Peek and his status with the team, uh, along with um, you know, our, uh, we're student athletes even out at the hotel that evening. It's, it's helping us piece what has been a very, very troubling story together that has ultimately, uh, affected really these two schools and a rivalry that's been uh, amongst the best in the region. Yeah. I
3: mean, it's been maybe the craziest story, uh, that I've ever covered from a sports standpoint. um, when else? I have certainly never heard of a student athlete for a team who's on a road trip uh, leave campus and go be involved in a homicide um, like this. I mean, it, the only thing that I can think of that's sort of similar is the Baylor basketball scandal from the early 2000s in which Patrick Dennehy was killed, which ironically he was a former Uni- University of New Mexico basketball player. That's yep. the only thing I can think of that's sort of, re- sort of like this. Um, and yeah, so I mean, Saturday morning. I'm sure you've gone over. I mean, he, he uh, you know, is when we kind of figured out that it was Mike Peak that was involved. A 19 year old, uh, two two other men and a in a female, 17 uh, year old UNM student, obviously lured him out uh, to the UNM campus to try to assault him in retaliation for a fight that uh, happened at the University of New Mexico, New Mexico State football game back in October. Um, Peak. Uh, went to campus, they hit him with a baseball bat, and then started shooting at him. He also had a gun and, and shot back and killed Brandon Travis, a 19-year-old University of New Mexico student. As of now, all we know is that Peek is still in the hospital in Albuquerque. Uh, as of tonight, the NMSU did not issue any kind of update on his health status with this release that they just sent out. They also have not issued any kind of disciplinary action um, for him. As of, as of right now, they're hiding behind federal privacy laws uh, in that regard, as well as any disciplinary actions that might come for the coaching staff or uh, fellow players who were also out breaking curfew that night. However, they were not with Mike Peak. So he is, as as of now, basically what we can confirm is that he was the only basketball player that was out that night involved in this incident. He called some of his teammates to come help him out after he was shot, but it doesn't appear that any of the – Uh, any of the rest of the team was involved that night in the shooting. Um, And so kind of where this leaves NMSU now, Steve, is they say they're going to be playing in a tournament in Las Vegas this weekend. It's supposed to start Friday night. Uh, I'm looking at our schedule right now. It's in Sandy. They play San Diego in Las Vegas on 730 on Friday night. They say they're going to be playing that Um, games versus UNM are up in the air.
0: Are you surprised that in the Q and a they did address the fact that the team will travel to Las Vegas to play this weekend in the tournament.
3: I am not surprised that they addressed it. I am surprised that they are playing in it. Um, I think once you got through all of the legal stuff with, you know, police, you know, releasing information about what happened on Saturday morning, arrests, what have you, that was kind of one of the bigger questions is are A, are they going to play the rest of the season? That's the question I had on Saturday night, is whether or not they were going to even be able to play at all the rest of the year. As some of the details have come out um, regarding the case, that kind of became clear that they were kind of planning on playing at some point this year. But I really honestly thought that they weren't going to play this weekend um, because it's such a tight turnaround from what is an incredibly tragic event involving one of their basketball players. um, To send them right back out on the road right now, um, seems I – don't, I don't know what word to use. I don't know if suspect is, is the right word, but it's, it's, not, it's just not the decision that I would have made. That's my personal opinion, but that's the decision that they've said is, is what they're going to go with right now.
1: Colin, as far as precautions to make sure nothing will happen again, I know that you tweeted out that uh, bags have not been checked prior to this and they will be checked from now on. What are your thoughts on this uh, pre- precaution by NMSU from now on moving forward? Well, I think
3: in larger respects, they like the rest of us, I mean, I would have never thought you would have to check bags for student-athletes for weapons or anything before going on a road trip. I'm sure that was the thought process. For everybody at New Mexico State, I'm sure it's been the thought process at UTEP, uh, at other universities around the country. I mean, you, that's just not something that you would ever think would be an issue um, is checking bags before you get on the bus to make sure guys aren't bringing knives, guns, what have you. But like you said, they are going to be checking um, bags now for, for before road trips. I would imagine this is not just for the basketball team. It's for, for every team uh, at New Mexico State just to ensure that there's not anything going on the plane or the bus that that shouldn't be um that's certainly something that's come about from this now um but again you'd think that i mean it would just be common sense here that you you don't need to bring your bring your gun on the on the bus to go on a road trip to play a basketball game
0: true enough and by the way people wondering about if is mike peak um on the team still or has there been disciplinary action according to the uh q a Federal privacy laws uh, prevent MSU from commenting on specific students involved in student conduct investigations. So uh, that's the answer, at least for now. What we did find out was not only was uh, bed checks conducted 1145, but apparently they had an assistant coach present in the hotel lobby from midnight until 2 a.m. And we all know this happened around 3, which is even crazier because you wonder, uh, Colin, if this was planned when players knew that there wouldn't be an assistant coach in the lobby. Well, and I don't know. I don't want to go that far yet because
3: this this does seem to be an incident where Peak was lured out of his hotel room, again, by a 17-year-old female um, that he had been conversing with at some point over the last month or so, yeah. um, and then she she coerced him out of his hotel room. He took an Uber for the police report uh, that was released today. He took an Uber to campus and was by himself. So I don't want to say you know that the entire team was planning on going out to like take part in this. No, um, you know, as waiting for the for the coaches to go to sleep. But certainly, I mean, if they were all out, if, there, if there were other players out, uh, regardless of what they were doing, they certainly broke curfew based on what uh, New Mexico State released.
0: That's very true. All right, listen, uh, you've got a, a live shot coming up. I appreciate you joining us right now. Uh, clearly the one really, uh, you know, the fact that we're going to not know until more details come out is the long-term impact it's going to have on the New Mexico State men's basketball program.
3: And, yeah, that, that's for sure what we don't know. I mean, obviously, Peak is still hospitalized with his injuries. I mean, he won't be playing for a while because of that. I would imagine, again, they're not saying disciplinary action for him, but I would imagine he won't be part of the team anymore. That would just That's just a guess. Again, I'm just taking a yeah. shot in the dark here. I would imagine he may not be part of the program uh, much longer. And, look, they've only played two games this season. This is going to just hang over them for a, a lot of the season, especially, you know, they're, they're going to go play Friday. They still haven't spoken to the media at any kind of press availability. This is really the first time they've answered any questions before they play on Friday afternoon, Friday evening, they're going to have to talk about this. Whether it's Greg Heyer, whether it's Mario Mocha, whether it's Dan Arvisu, the chancellor, somebody is going to have to talk about this uh, in real time and, and give some more answers. Um, and so we will await that there, and we'll wait to see if this, if the New Mexico State UNM game gets made up from from Saturday and if they ever, if they ever even end up playing the game that's scheduled for December 3rd in Las Cruces.
0: Appreciate it. Uh, thanks again, Colin. Appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll keep tabs on you via social media and on on the uh, on the news and see what uh, the latest uh, developments are as far as uh, Mike Peak and uh, the Aggie basketball team.
3: All right. Thank you, sir.
0: Colin Deaver joining us here as we approach the bottom of the hour on uh, Sports Talk 28 now uh, past as uh, we continue. And um, how fitting, following that conversation, Victor uh, joining us next from las cruces victor uh, right on uh, right on time my friend thanks for the call
4: yes sir mr steve and adrian um i'm very sat and very heartbroken to have learned about this on saturday it really but in this world that we live in guys you know that just proves that anything can happen you know and it's just sad it's very sad but um what can we do? And, uh, you know, a, no, a couple of ideas just hit. Well, not just hit. I was just thinking about this for a couple, a couple of days now. Um, resuming this year, or playing this December 3rd game really is not in the best interest because, uh, you know, there lies this big security risk. Very big security risk. Sure. That- Sure. That definitely is not worth taking, guys. And one option that there is to play that December 3rd game is to play it without fans, only essential personnel. Kind of like a COVID, COVID game, I guess, or, you know, when, when COVID was, was a lot worse than it is now. Uh, just play it. Just the, the officials, uh, the teams, of course, the coaches, scorekeepers, you know, just essential personnel, no fans.
0: Well, I'll be I, interested to see if that happens. I really will, Victor. Um, Adrian, I mean, I don't know if they play this game at all. And by the way, I mean, we're talking about two sellout crowds, We're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars of generated income that the schools are going to be losing out on this. And the truth is, is that New Mexico didn't have any of their players involved. This was involving their campus, a student, but the the Lobos basketball team had zero to do with what went down on Saturday, Adrian.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I also look at this, and, and by the way, first off with Victor, uh, I thought I think that's an interesting idea if they decide to play that game December the 3rd. Uh, poor Victor, man. It seems like he calls us, he's ready for some like therapy, and he's, it's just really hurting him whenever he yep. calls us on these issues. And I get it. If you're a New Mexico State fan, you're puzzled right now. You're left totally confused and kind of on a day-to-day basis as to what's next with this men's basketball team. I don't know where they uh, take it from here, Steve. I, I don't know what's to come with this group. I think this will hang over the head of this group, and it's going to be up to uh, their 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 leaders like Greg Heyer and Mario Mocha to help them move forward.
0: I'm with you on that one. Bottom of the hour, if you want to weigh in oh, between the UTEP football game and what went what, uh, down in Albuquerque over the weekend, those two stories in itself – Add on top of that, the Cowboys win over the Vikings and what went down in the NFL. And World Cup today with the U.S. and Wales. I mean, we have so much to get to in 90 minutes. There's just not enough time. But we'd love to make time with you. Our phone number, 505-6009. As Sports Talk continues, uh, let's go to Adrian right now and get this Sports Center update. Thank you very much. Once again, you can tweet the show at 600 ESPN El Paso, call into the program at 505-6009, or you can message us on our free mobile app powered by First American Bank. In fact, um, once again, I am looking at Pinky, uh, who messages us and says, you cannot put a price on a human being's life. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Look, so many things to get to on this, all right? Number one. Based on the discussion, um, you know we. You can tell number one is that um, Mike Peace brought. I'm sorry, Mike Peak. Mike Peak brought a um, a gun on the road trip. Okay, and that's the first thing they say. They said bags were never checked prior to this. Now they will be. Okay, that's the first thing. So he brought a gun with him. Um, and if you're wondering about that in itself. Uh, they are not allowed possession, use, or distribution, or distribution of any weapon on university property or at a sponsored university activity, is a violation of university student code of conduct. So that right there is is your first problem. And not only did that happen, but leaving past curfew, um, and and the result. I mean, this is something that just you know should have happened, but it did, and. It's going to affect the whole team, and it's going to affect Greg Heyer. And by the way, Mike Peak is not a player that Greg Heyer brought in. Remember, Peak was uh, first recruited by UTEP, took a trip to UTEP last summer, then goes to New Mexico State with Chris Jans, who offers him, and he takes the offer. The Miners wanted Peak even before the Aggies did, and took a combo trip where he took the first visit to UTEP, then New Mexico State, then chose the Aggies. So this is not a player that was just brought in this season. This is someone who didn't play very much last year, Adrian, and now was a starter early on for the Aggies.
1: Yeah, what people need to understand is this man in Mike Peak, he was supposed to make a big step forward this year on the court. A junior forward uh, had a lot of pedigree coming into the mix. Uh, Mike Peak was kept at New Mexico State for a reason with Greg Heyer. They wanted him to be an integral part of this team to help lead the way and, and to try to continue uh, the dominance that this program has seen year after year in the WAC. He averaged nine points a game in, in two games this year. And, uh, yes, you know, over this weekend, now he's finally— himself in the hospital because of the, uh, the decision that he ended up making leaving his uh, dorm room and, and you know right before a game day at three in the morning that that's just a it's a, a story that it's hard for
0: me to wrap my head around yep.
1: all of this right here just knowing all the mixing parts
0: at the same time if he doesn't bring a gun and goes out unarmed he might not be here right now so the craziest thing about this is that if the 17 year old lured him out, And he goes out and has the gun and ends up having to use it. It ultimately ends up saving his life. It costs somebody else their life. But, Adrian, you think about that, too. If he goes out unarmed, we might be talking about Mike Peake being dead. From an incident that took place over the weekend, yeah,
1: no doubt. And when you start to read about how this ended up happening, as far as just uh, th- how he was lured, how it seemed like this was all staged and everything against Mike Peek, how this stemmed from an altercation happening at a uh, a potential football game and, and an altercation involving a huge fight around that game, it just makes this story so much worse. And and yep. you're right, if he didn't have uh, a weapon with him, what would have happened to Mike Peek? And uh, you know, there was somebody who was fatally shot and killed a new mexico student who was just 19 years old it just again i I wonder what if mike peak had just stayed in his room instead of gone out we we wouldn't be even talking about this we'd be talking about a new mexico state
0: unm game instead 100 100 that's exactly what we'd be talking about right exactly right exactly right 38 past the hour as we continue here on sports talk 505-6009 if you want to get into the show we'd love to hear from you again Between the uh, story with New Mexico State and New Mexico, the minor win over FIU and what happened there at the Sun Bowl, the Cowboys win over the Vikings, the U.S. uh, finishing tied with Wales after the goal in the 82nd minute on the PK from Wales when it looked like the U.S. had that game pretty well in hand. Uh, We could talk about everything going on. There's so much to get to. Our phone number, again, 505-6009. We're live, and we'll be live till 6 o'clock out here at Border City Alehouse. 1506, Lee Trevino. Then John Teicher takes over the airwaves coming up at 6 with UTEP football with Dana Dimmel right up the street at Hudson's Grill here on 600 ESPN El Paso. 47 Pass, Sports Talk continues live out here at uh, Border City Alehouse. 1506, Lee Trevino with you. 505-6009, 505-6009, our telephone number. You just heard from uh, Physical Athletics in that commercial break. The good news is Adrian has a new um, uh, fitness tip for you today. Adrian, uh, what do you have for our listeners?
1: Yeah, appreciate it, Steve, and appreciate Physical Athletics. They remind everybody it's never too late to start your fitness journey. Forget a New Year's resolution, and hey, right after Thanksgiving is a perfect time to start. Start your fitness journey with Physical Athletics. They remind everybody that, as we know, sleep is important for everybody out there. Sleep gives the body time to repair and regenerate from the day before. You can make sure you get your sleep, and research shows that injury rate increases as the amount of sleep decreases. Nothing beats a good night's sleep, according to Physical Athletics. They've got two locations on the east side. It's at Joe Battle and Eastlake. You can get a free one-week trial to see why I talk about them all the time. All you have to do is call or text 915-996-4476. That's 915 996 nine six4476 to get started with Physical Athletics.
0: All right, good stuff as we keep things moving. 48 past the hour right now. would love to get your thoughts on everything. By the way, um, today, frustration. That is the best way to describe what happened with the um, U.S. men's national team. Really, really difficult. I mean, you're up one nothing. You dominate the first 45, but you have one goal to show. And then in the second half a penalty that probably is unnecessary let's be honest uh, good call on zimmerman shouldn't have taken it leads to the pk the tying goal and the final result uh being a split in which most believed the u.s had uh, a, an excellent chance to come out uh, with the victory and and that is is rough and don't blame the refs don't talk about that if anything uh, the draw you could put that on on the US and uh, and really you know not taking advantage when you needed to in the first half Adrian when you dominate play but only have one goal to show.
1: Yeah, it's a bummer, man. I I felt like the U.S. got robbed today in a weird way. I know people are going to complain about the refs, and that's not the direction I'm ever about going. I'm more of the direction of saying, if you're the U.S. dominating this game, go out and finish it. I mean, why did you make that penalty late in the contest when you had no business doing so? Uh, Make Wales make that shot. You know, force them to be good and and execute on that shot. It just frustrates me the way that the U.S. lost this game when they should have won. There should have been no question about this one. Hey, uh, I guess if you're trying to be positive, trying to be optimistic about the U.S., this is their first contest. They looked good today uh, and hopefully that can uh, give them some more motivation moving forward uh, as they got their next contest coming up. I believe it's Friday.
0: Yeah, they do. Friday is England. That's right. And that's going to be a monster for them. An absolute monster. But you know, I mean, I I don't think Wales is very good. You take away uh, a guy like Bale... Uh, they're not that they're they're not that good. I mean, that's why I was saying that this was the match to win. This was it. They had it. I mean, you got to beat Iran now, and you got to pile it on them, which you, for goal differential, but it also puts you in a very very tough spot against England. Like, you can't lose to England now because if you're o one and one going into that final match with Iran, that's going to make things even worse because now you might uh you know you might end up not finishing uh in the top 2 in your group it almost puts you in a spot where you have to tie or beat england and think about what a tough task that's going to be for the us uh, to try to survive and, and be in the top two in Group B. Yeah, knowing what England did
1: today. I mean, they, they killed Iran 6-2. to two. They, they, they yep. didn't even look back in that contest. And knowing that they have that kind of momentum going into Friday, that's worrisome for the U.S. who, hey, they they had a chance today. I'm, I'm just holding on to that. They had that opportunity. And if you're a U.S. soccer fan, you're just frustrated knowing that you had a chance to put this one away and beat Wales. Instead, you're you're left with a tie.
0: Yep, Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the New Mexico State story is a big one. We're talking about that uh, here on the show. Colin Deaver joined us earlier. More details are yet to come out. The university issued a Q&A as opposed to meeting the media. They, they I'll give you, you credit. They addressed every, uh, you know, every question we would have outside of the specific timeline of events that what went down. But think about this. You're Greg Heyer. This is your first year. You're just a few games into your stint at New Mexico State. You've already had to uh, get rid of an assistant coach who um, was busted for DUI after the Bahamas trip, and now you have this. And he didn't bring him in. He you know, he inherited peak, but here's a starter. Uh, think about right now what Mario Mocha and what uh, Greg Heyer are going through at this very point.
1: Yeah, and, and also you say, you use the word inherit, and I think inherit in, in today's college basketball is totally different than inherit was in years past. I mean, in years past, you'd get a player and you'd just assume, hey, since he's on New Mexico State, he'll stay with New Mexico State despite the coaching transition. But Greg Hire had to choose to keep Mike Peak on this roster. Yep. And that's the difference is when you're roster building right here, he inherits Mike Peek and he wants to build a team around that guy and what kind of potential he could bring. And Mike Peak looked good in the, in the first two games that he played. In, and now, who knows if he ever plays college basketball again after what what ended up happening?
0: hundred percent right. And you know, forget college, basketball. How about right. that? That's right. I don't know what's. I don't know what's going to happen with Mike Peake after this. Uh, after this is over, and um, were you surprised that New Mexico State already committed to the Vegas tournament on Monday? So soon, forty-eight hours after this story broke.
1: Yeah, I'm very surprised, Steve. I, you know, you hear about how coaches had to be had to hang back in Albuquerque over the weekend. Uh, you wonder where their mind is at. What what yep. kind of practice schedule, if any, is is going on right now? Not to mention the fact that these players have to deal with the the mental load of knowing one of their players was involved in something like this. And and we still don't know all the details surrounding this. And if uh, you know, if everybody else on the team is in the clear. But I, I'm just curious to see what ends up happening with this group. Knowing that they've got a game right around the corner this weekend, I would have taken a pause on the on the whole team. It, yeah. You know, if I was to be honest, Steve, I would have probably paused things until maybe next month in December.
0: I know, I know, but I guess for them, they're looking at it as you know they're worried that if they if they do decide to pause, when when do you come back then? I mean, you said December. It's so it's such a tough call. Um, and then all of a sudden, if they don't play. Then the whole tournament is minus a team, and they've got to reconfigure. I get everything on this, but it is interesting. I thought if they would have gone to Vegas, they would have decided at a later date and not committed this quickly. But, hey, that's the storyline as we wrap up our number one live from the Ale House. 25 minutes from now, Joe Golding will join us. He's got three big games uh, coming up this week and a whole lot more as we get you ready for UTEP football with Dana Dimmel. Top of our six o'clock hour, live from Hudson's, as Sports Talk is live here at Border City El House on 600 ESPN El Paso. 20 minutes away, uh, Joe Golding uh, talking about the Jim Forbes Classic happening tomorrow, Wednesday, and Friday out here at the Haskins Center. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two of Sports Talk. It is our second and final hour. John Teicher standing by at Hudson's Grill. We'll get to John coming up in about 45 minutes as uh, he takes us home and then gets ready for UTEP football with Dana Dimmel, 6-7 to seven out here up the road at Hudson's. We're live, 1506 Lee Trevino, come down with us. By the way, Thanksgiving, the Ale House will be open at 6, and then on uh, Black Friday, opening at 11.30. So come down to the Ale House on those holidays and enjoy uh, all the great sports action. Football, you get the uh, the Thursday night game uh, coming up on uh, on Thanksgiving night when they open at 6. And then you can come here and watch all the action uh, Friday at 11.30. Now, normally, uh, Border City Halls opens at 3. So that just gives you an idea of how they're going to be opening early for you, as is tradition, this holiday. Not to mention... We've got uh, some good, some goodies to be given away here for the Cardinals-49ers game, including a couple of four-packs of Rhinos tickets, Golf at Horizon, including cart rental as well for Horizon Golf. That's a great prize. And then from all that music and video, we've got uh, DVDs from the Cardinals and 49ers, the insulated lunch bags, as well as the um, keychain bottle openers. Now, uh, they've got the newly remodeled and expanded spot, Fountains of Fara directly behind the Best Buy parking lot. And uh, all that music and video will be opening up at 9 a.m. on Black Friday. There are tons of great Black Friday deals. Now, if you follow uh, record collecting or CD collecting, you know there's picture discs, there's limited edition vinyl, uh, there's sometimes CDs, releases you just can't find anywhere. And that's going to be uh, only on Black Friday. So get there early. There are six pages of, of uh, releases coming out for um, Record Store Day, which is the Black Friday release on Friday. So pretty exciting stuff, especially if uh, you're a fan of those limited releases. All right. In the meantime, we've got UTEP Zay. We've got Chema. They are back with Adrian in our 600 ES Piano Paso Lubingo Oil Changer Studios. Here's what we've talked about in the first hour. We discussed... The Miners win over uh, FIU. We'll get into our minor talk mashup coming up here in a moment. Also
1: for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, you know, winning the way that they did. I I think similar to UTEP, no one saw the Cowboys winning the way that they did in Minnesota, knowing that the Vikings came off an emotional win against the Buffalo Bills last week. And just that defensive line, that's something that you can't take for granted if you're looking at this uh, this Dallas Cowboys defense. You can't take for granted that defensive front, which Micah Parsons has to be among the best players in the NFL, no doubt about it, when, when it comes to the defensive
0: side. Absolutely, absolutely, he was amazing, absolutely amazing. So again, huge win by Dallas. Uh, they rebounded so well after the loss to Green Bay, and that's important because right now in the standings, Philly came back to beat Indy. So Philadelphia nine and one. The Cowboys and the Giants are tied at seven and three after the Giants lost to Detroit. Washington is six and five. Then you had Minnesota now falls to eight and two. So much parity. ...in the NFC. We'll talk about that as well. But if you missed any of my... We
1: can give UTEP all the credit in the world right now. A dominant victory in this contest. And to be honest with you, Sal, none of this means anything if uh, UTEP doesn't win next Saturday against UTSA. You could be excited about this one. You can talk about all the great things UTEP did against a really bad Florida international team on Senior Day today but all that matters is surviving and advancing to try to become bowl eligible next week against the best team in conference USA at UTSA. And and that's a tall task, right? It, and it's come down to this. After there were games that the Miners definitely should have won, you know, at least on paper, didn't happen in real life, but we could talk about Louisiana Tech, you know what I mean? We could talk about Middle Tennessee. We could talk about Rice, their, their last um, game as well. So this is something that really, really um, is kind of, I don't want to say hindering them, but they're in this position because they didn't handle business when it needed to be handled. However, with all of that being said, there's still one more game to play. Robert, good evening, man. What's going on? It was a little chilly, but it was well worth the sitting out there and, and getting a little cold. But, you know, they
3: played great. You know, I just uh, hope they can carry that on into San Antonio next week because, you know, like you said, Jekyll and Hyde, they play either you know, great and, um, you know, they hopefully, you know, San Antonio may overlook them a little bit. But if they come in with the game that they played against
1: Boise, if they played with the intensity next week, you know, we'll give them a good game. Let's go to Ronnie, who's joining us next on the phones.
3: You asked me this two weeks ago. I'm sticking with Broncos. I, I said that then. You said I was crazy. Sticking with it now, regardless of artisan healthier or not. Why would
5: you go against that now just to give artisan one last rod? That doesn't doesn't make sense. You know, the team has got a bit of footing going forward, so you might as well stick with that. There's no need to uh, try to reinvent the wheel in the last game. Arrogant. I've ever heard demo talk after a game. I wish Demo
6: would talk like that. You know, when they win that, that today he came out of character, you know what I mean? Which tells me the Broncos put a little belief and fire in him because today he didn't sound like the same old drum
5: and demo. You know, he said, Hey, we're a tough out, we can play with anybody. Now, that's debatable, but uh, <laughs> I like that he's you know, stealing that message into the air and projecting those, those energies and pounding his chest a little
1: bit. Gabriel, what's going on? Good evening, man. I think, um, Calvin opens up the playbook a lot, and I think he gives him a little bit of fire. It's like, it's a little bit of like. Kind of like Tyler Haneke with the, with the Washington Commanders. They showed a lot of energy today. It was real, really really see, and I think it'll be a good momentum for them going into UTSA, which will be a, a dogfight. let get back to the phones. Let's welcome on a friend of the program, Babe Loffenberg, who's joining us next on the phones. Uh, no, I've I watched the game and listened to Tysh. I kind of keep them both on. Now,
5: I'm up in uh, Minneapolis because, of course, Cowboys play the Vikings tomorrow. So, yeah, great win, and I, I was really, really happy. And I listened to the post game show there with Tysh and, and Coach Dimmel, and he said he thinks everybody played. So I, I love all those seniors getting in there, especially
0: the local kids from El Paso. Struggles, and Gavin's healthy. They can bring Gavin in relief for the game. I think. I, I mean, you you know it's a do or die. I think you got to go with the guy that that's been able to get you there in this last game because they played so well with him.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, recency bias, uh, but you just look at other other uh, co- college football uh, teams or just look at any NFL team. I, I You know, somebody referenced Taylor Heineke. Well, if you're going to use that analogy right there, Carson Wentz, Gavin Hardison going down early, you ride with the hot hand, Taylor Heineke, Calvin Brownholtz. Look at what Brownholtz instilled in the offense against Rice. That yep. offense didn't do anything in that game, and he comes in uh, and led them in kind of a comeback in that contest. And then this past week, it was utter domination by the the UTEP offense, so I, I would ride with the hot hand. I, no question about it. I would go with Calvin Brown. I'm
0: with you on that one, and I think they will. I think when it's all said and done, they will. I be, I would be shocked if they go with Gavin. He struggles and they get beat. I mean, that would that almost tells you that, um, you know, they they'll, they'll live and die with him no matter what. So I don't think that's going to be the case. I think that even though. Dana's going to probably play close to the vest like he did against FIU. Uh, more than likely, they want they want UTSA to be game planning for both, which is what they should do. Um, I think they go with uh, with Calvin this week. Zay uh, and, and Chema, are you both in agreement in terms of uh, where the minors go?
2: Honestly, Steve, I am. I really hope that Dana Demo goes with Calvin Brownholz against UTSA. Just because right. of what he's but, done so far.
0: I mean, yeah, you can't fault him because he's been nearly perfect in these last two games, Zay. Eh?
2: Yeah, yeah, me too. I think a lot has to do with the play calling. I think if you call that kind of game for Gavin Hardison, you get the same result. But I am going to say, yeah, Calvin Brown, I hope they start.
0: But they've called that game plan for Gavin this season, and you're right. They've had very similar results. Adrian, that's what's so interesting. How many times this year do we say early on, That if they just made Gavin a game manager and did it right, they could easily be winning right now and and be bowl eligible already.
1: Yeah, look at the Boise State game. I think that's the perfect example right there. Gavin Hardison attempts eleven passes in that game, and UTEP's able to hang in that game, and uh, you know nearly, you know they ends up end up beating Boise State. I mean, Boise State has uh, really uh, reeled off a lot of victories since that loss against UTEP.
0: That that game really kickstarted their season as well. No doubt about it. All right, we've got awards to hand out. Let's do it. Let's start first. A lot of choices here. What did you go with as far as uh, the uh, Oscar Audienta drive of the game? I'm wondering where you went there. Yeah,
1: for this one, it was uh, we, we started it off with the drive that set the tone in the game, the first opening drive by the Miners. It was a long drive uh, capped off by a one-yard rushing touchdown by Calvin Brownholtz. And for the Miners, starting off uh, sharp in this game meant everything. It gave them a lot of momentum early on, and so we gave the drive of the game the first uh, drive, which was 11-play, 75-yard drive.
0: Fantastic, and again, our Oscar Adietta, uh, not only our sponsor of Minor Talk, but uh, he is someone that is so involved with UTEP's 915 campaign that he's offered and uh, during games you'll see him also uh, honoring hometown heroes. Uh, the Oscar Adietta Agency. You want to learn more? Just go to OscarAdiettaAgency.com. We're gonna get to Drew in a moment. So Drew, I know you want to talk Cowboys. We're gonna do that with you coming up in a moment. Uh, but first, let's also get to our uh, Specs Play of the Game. Uh, Any question here?
1: No question at all as far as the play of the game, and we even have a highlight for this one, Steve. It was uh, one of my favorite ones, especially from El Paso's own, and Ray Flores. Let's hear the call.
7: Here's Flores coming left with a lead blocker. Tupo at the five, dives at the goal line. He's in. Ray Flores, touchdown, Miner!
0: Well done. And, again, you can head to specsonline.com to order uh, online. And also, locations throughout El Paso, including one by UTEP, 2525 North Mesa, Spex Wine Spirits, and Finer Foods. Finally, our Heineken player of the game. You had a couple of choices here.
1: Yeah, we did. We had some really good options. You could get one with the quarterback, and Calvin Brownholtz. Uh, linebacker Cal Wallerstedt had an awesome outing as well, but we went with uh, the uh, wide receiver slash running back and Ray Flores in an outstanding performance. He had over 100 on the ground, and what he was able to do, you see 13 carries, 128 on the ground, and two rushing touchdowns. Just a great game for Ray Flores all around.
0: Congratulations, Ray, on that award. Joe Golden coming up as we continue next segment. First, let's go to Drew. He's on the lines. Drew, thanks for... For waiting
6: hey how you doing steve
0: good drew how are you
6: hey i'd like to wish you and all your listeners a, a pre-holiday thanksgiving I uh, hope you have a great holiday you
0: as well Thank drew you, you as well sir. yes sir
6: okay is a utsa game utep gonna be on the
1: right ra- on tv
0: Oh, that's such a great question. I would hope that's an ESPN Plus game. It's for a stadium game, Steve. How oh about my that? God! Our last time around. Oh, there you go. So that's that's uh, God's gift uh, to uh, stadium. Uh, it is the stadium game of the week. Okay, I'll be. Which checking Which means you got to you got to watch it on the stadium app, is what it means, Drew.
6: Okay, I'll be checking it out and listening to Taishu on the radio. Fantastic.
0: Uh, the Cowboys
6: played a. Uh, almost perfect game.
0: That's about as close as the Cowboys are going to get for a perfect game. I thought it was uh, pretty much there. They dominated from start to finish, and uh, they look like the class of the NFC uh, on on Sunday, for for sure.
6: My favorite two running backs are Aaron Jones and Tony Pollard out of Memphis. I I don't think he's going to return. You know, I'd like to see him remain a Cowboy, but he's going to get, make a lot of money next year, I think. I don't know if the Cowboys are going to match him or what. What do you think?
0: I mean, he's only 25. He's in his prime. If I was Dallas, I would let Zeke walk and keep Pollard, but we'll see what Dallas does when it's all said and done.
6: All right, then, Steve. That's just about it. Hey, when I attend uh, sporting events, you know, I try to remain, act civil, you know. If I see somebody with an opposite jersey or – Rooting for another team, I, I don't make a big fuss about it, but, you know, things get out of control sometimes. And uh, how do you act when you attend a game and somebody's sitting next to you with the opposite jersey or rooting for the other team? Well, you I'm, know, a you I'm a bad person. You? you
0: know what? I'm a bad person to ask because I'm media And I've been pretty much uh, in a mindset for the last 27 years not to really root much, even when I'm watching my favorite teams because I'm just so used to it. So I'm probably the wrong person to ask. But maybe between uh, Chema, Zay, and Adrian, one of them can probably address that a little bit better.
1: You know what? I'll listen to them off the air.
0: So, appreciate
1: so you, Drew. hey Drew, appreciate you a lot. Uh, what I would say on my end, Steve, is just like when whenever if I was in that situation, I'd probably be as civil as possible. But I I take more of a role like you, uh, so I I don't I don't really classify as myself, you know, as a fan in in some of these situations, you know, oftentimes like I like other people would. So it's hard for us to answer this question. I think.
0: It really is. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we can get better from Chema and Zay. Uh, we'll get their thoughts here in a little bit. I promise you. 18 past. We're live at the L House. Joe Golding's next. But first, let's go to Charlie One and get this traffic update. All right, back live here as we continue. Border City L House, along with Adrian Broadus, UTEP Zay, and Chema. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. The Jim Forbes Classic is going to be tomorrow, Wednesday, and Friday here at the Don Haskins Center. And with us right now to talk about uh, the three days of college basketball is a minor's head coach, uh, Joe Golding. Coach, welcome back to the program. It's good to have you. And uh, I think like a lot of minor fans, very excited um, about the college hoops that will be taking place uh, here in El Paso over the next uh, four days.
5: Yeah, first of all, uh, thanks for having me on. Um, great to hear you guys' voice again. And um, Yeah, we're excited. Um You know, we talked a little bit in the preseason about the three teams that are coming in, and I think uh, early in the season, um, you know, it's kind of played out to what we said. We've got three terrific basketball teams uh, coming in. Obviously, we open up against Alcorn State, um, who's um, played Ole Miss uh, really, really well the first game of the year, and then went on the road and beat Wichita State and Stephen F. Austin. Uh, So they've got two really good road wins underneath their belt. You've got Corpus Christi, who made the NCAA tournament last year and won the Southland Conference Tournament and returned all their starters, and then um, you've got Bakersfield, who's um, coach Barnes is you know might be one of the best coaches, better coaches in college basketball. been around the block for a long time. His teams are always known as play really, really good basketball and they play really, really hard, and they're coming off a big win in Idaho on the road. So uh, we've got three terrific teams here uh, and a great week of basketball.
0: It's really the case, and you've had a little time uh, after last week's games uh, to get yourself uh, rested and and ready for this one, and this is really one of the closest uh, tests to tournament basketball, isn't it, because postseason tournament basketball, because uh, you play three games in four days, which is almost uh, unheard of in other parts of the year.
5: Yeah, no doubt. You know, you kind of see it this time of year all all across the country of, of teams doing it, and You know, you learn a lot about your team uh, in this week uh, with with this many games. You're going to see different styles of basketball and different ways of doing it. And you don't have a whole lot of time to prepare, so you got to trust. Got to trust your fundamentals. You got to trust what you believe. um, And and you got to hopefully you you get leave here this week a better basketball team because you've seen some stuff. We'll see different styles of offenses and defenses and. Um, again, don't have a lot of time to prepare for those games, so you got to pay attention to details, and then you got to trust, uh, tr- kind of trust your core values on both sides of the ball.
1: Hey, coach, this is the Jim Forbes Classic right here. Why, w- why was it so important to recognize such a basketball legend in this community, like uh, Coach Jim Forbes, who passed away earlier this year?
5: Yeah, really cool deal of the day, man. I got a chance to talk to our team about it before practice and introduce him to Coach Forbes and what he was about, and, and not just what he was about for UTEP, but what he was about for the city of El Paso and. I'll be honest. It it, it wasn't my idea. Um, you know, we were searching for a name for this and and someone to do it. And, um, obviously Hardaway's name had been tossed around with him being inducted um, into the NBA Hall of Fame. And then, um, Jeff Darby and his crew over there said, he came to me and said, Hey coach, what about we honor Jim Forbes? And I was like, that's it, man. Perfect. Absolutely. You know? And so, uh, I I didn't get to know coach Forbes as well as as what I would like to, but I did get to to meet him uh, a few times. And uh, he was one of the first phone calls I got when I got the job here and, Funny story, I text all the high school coaches here in town and told them they were welcome to come to practice. And Coach Forbes called me that day and said, Hey, Coach, I don't text. And I, said, I can't even read text. I don't even know how to text. And we stayed on the phone for 30 minutes and talked. And, and then when I went down the summer recruiting, he was working a bit in Dallas, and we got a chance to visit for over an hour. and He just loved the city of El Paso. He loved helping kids. He obviously loved UTEP. Uh, and what a great way here to, to honor him. We're going to have his family. We're going to be able to honor him and his name and his family. And uh, I, I believe the Andrews's team is coming Tuesday night to the game uh, to get honored as well. So, uh, obviously, a great legacy, a great great history with Coach Forbes here in town. And, and I'm, I'm honored to be played in this tournament in his name.
0: Oh, that's terrific. Love to hear that. By the way, uh, just out of curiosity, Coach, this is called the inaugural uh, Jim's Forbes Classic. And I know that you're not allowed to host um, – uh, multi-team exemptions, uh, unless it's every couple of years, is this one of those tournaments that we could see in El Paso every few years and kind of keep the Forbes name alive, even if it's not a yearly event?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something that we definitely have interest in, and uh, we, we, you know, we have a, a community here that loves basketball. They support basketball, and uh, every team, you know, all three teams are landing. Corpus Christi got here early this morning. I think Al- Alcorns arriving or just uh, arrived and uh, Bakersfield gets here around six. And, uh, you know, we, we were able to put together a really good deal for them with hotels and packages and gifts. And we're having a great Thanksgiving meal, all uh, four teams together on Thursday. And so, uh, I think they enjoy El Paso. They enjoy the weather. They enjoy basketball fans coming to the games. And so I think this is definitely something that we can hopefully keep in the rotation. You know, you and I've talked a little bit, uh, both on and off the record, Steve, as, as we continue to build this program, there's going to be some opportunities for us to play in some other tournaments. And, We'll embrace those tournaments as well um, when we have the opportunity and we have a program that can go compete in those.
0: Joe Golding with us here on Sports Talk as we continue. I almost feel like you're taking a, a, a pretty good lead from the Sun Bowl committee when you look at this tournament because we're talking about mid-major programs, two of which right now are considered uh, top 37 overall RPI. If you look at CBSSports.com, Alcorn's number three, and A&M Corpus Christi is 37. Is that the name of the game when you bring this up, is to try to get some of these conferences in the town that have the best teams to offer to try to really bolster your RPI early on?
5: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, you know, it's all about the net score now, and, you you know, you're trying to position yourself, and obviously Alcorn, with what they've done on the road, uh, beating Wichita State, and, you know, since then, Wichita State's gone on the road and beat Grand Canyon, I think today by double digits, and beat um uh richmond right um since yep. that game so you know you know wichita state continues to win that makes that alcorn win look really good obviously Stephen F's going to win and, and corpus is going to win a ton of games along well with bakersfield so, so you're 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 right you're right you're right on with that and i think sometimes too uh you know um our fan base is no different than my 16 year old son we get enamored sometimes with name uh and conference affiliation and and, and not what really good basketball is today and, and you just look all around i mean for instance I was watching last night late. You know, Charleston State just beat the beat the snot out of Boston College. You know, uh, but I think they beat them sixteen, and it could have been twenty. You know, we knew playing Charleston in the scrimmage earlier the year how good they were. I mean, there's really, really good good basketball at our level, and, and all three teams we're bringing in uh, are really good, and, the, and definitely the two you mentioned in Corpus and uh, Alcorn. You know, Alcorn won their league last year; they just got beat in the tournament. You know, and uh, made the nit. And again, Corpus Corpus made the tournament. And so, and I, and again, I got so much respect for Coach Barnes. He's been around a long time. He's won over three hundred something basketball games, and his teams play the right way. And um, you know, again, we're playing three really, really good teams. We're going to be a better team this week after it. And if we can get some wins, it will definitely help our net. No doubt.
1: Coach, uh, before we wrap things up, wanted to ask about your brother-in-law and Sonny Dykes. He's eleven and zero right now with TCU. What's it like watching from afar, and and how uh, successful they've been thus far? Yeah,
5: just so proud of him, Adrian. I mean, I just—it's unbelievable what they're doing, and um, you know, it's it's almost like it's meant to be, man. But what they have—they have such a grit and a toughness to them. I, I think I saw a stat the other day. They've been down in five or six games. Um, and, you know, they trailed by maybe double digits and they just continue to play. And they, they again, have a toughness to them and a grit. And I just love how they toughed out that game at Baylor. You know, they came off a tough physical game at Texas to go to Baylor. And they've got some injuries. They're facing all kinds of adversity. And, uh, again, found a way to get a turnover late and uh, go down and score and then get a stop uh, and get the ball back and were able to execute the, the field goal uh, to perfection. You could tell that they had worked on that. They get the ball to the center of the field, run their field goal team out. and. So I'm just happy for them. Uh, obviously, I'm a nervous wreck uh, about these this, these next two games. Uh, obviously, Iowa State and then whoever they played in the Big 12 championship. But uh, just happy for them. And I haven't got the opportunity to watch them play. Uh, but, um, you know, I'm definitely rooting for them and, and, and excited for them.
0: Joe, let's wrap it up with this. There are people in town that are not leaving for the holidays, and if they're looking for something to do tomorrow, Wednesday, and Friday, this is the perfect opportunity. And it's not just one game. There's two games every night. There's the 4 o'clock game, which involves the two teams you're not playing, and then your team at 7 o'clock. So you can get six games in three days, and if you're a college hoops junkie, it should be right up your alley.
5: No question. Again, three really good teams coming into town. Um, we're going to have to play some of our best basketball up to this point to win these games um, and, and a great opportunity for our community to get out and, and not only support uh, our minor basketball team uh, but also support Coach Forbes and his legacy and everything he meant to the city of El Paso and uh, and watch some really good basketball. So uh, there's a lot going on. I get it. Families are in. Uh, there's a lot of celebrations, a lot of cookie and a lot of good football on. Uh, good basketball on, but we would love to have their support um, at, at the uh, at the dawn and, and uh, hopefully lead us to, to some victories this week.
0: Well said. Coach, appreciate it. Thanks for the time. We'll see you out uh, tomorrow night. Right, as
5: always, guys, appreciate you guys for having me on. We'll talk to you guys soon.
0: Joe Golding, head coach of the UTEP Miners. They wrapped up practice just a little while ago and now joining us uh, to give us a few minutes uh, here on the show. 33 past the hour. Adrian's back. He's got Center next. 600 ESPN El Paso. As we continue here on Sports Talk, you know, Richard Justice has a story in Texas Monthly, and it says, Did Texas blow its chance at TCU coach Sonny Dykes in 2020? And talking about how, before uh, you know, uh, Steve Sarkeesian ended up becoming the Longhorns head coach, that uh, apparently Chris Del Conte targeted. Dykes as his first choice. And we'll never know now, but look at what's happened between the two teams and uh clearly if you're a Texas fan, how this will drive you crazy Realizing you'll never know the what if game if uh, they chose Dykes over uh, Sarkeesian.
1: Man, we're already at this point, right, Steve? This is what, year two into Sark, and we're having these uh, questions on what if, what if they had gone the Sonny Dykes route. And uh, for him, I mean, for Sonny Dykes, I think it's a great situation right here at TCU. I mean, not a lot of, uh, I, I would say, overhead right here for this season, knowing that there weren't that many expectations. Yeah, he had success at SMU over time, but it wasn't like they were expecting expecting them to contend for a college football playoff in year one. So uh, what a great situation that Sonny Dykes has built over there at, at uh, TCU. And for Sarkeesian, I think for Texas fans, they still have to hang on to the hope that his recruits in the future, uh, hence Arch Manning, uh, those guys will pan yep. out in years to come.
0: Well, that's going to be the key. That is going to be the key. And think about this, okay? Look at all the money that uh, Texas right now has uh, given – uh, Quinn Yours and, and how, uh, in NIL and how he has not shown the ability to be the franchise QB. That could be Manning next year, or the next year. Who knows? Somebody else coming out. Isn't it interesting that when you grab a quarterback with all the fanfare, doesn't mean that they're going to be the answer for you at that position.
1: And unfortunately for Texas, that's been the story of their football program over, I mean, what? Over the last decade plus? Uh, it's a lot of hype. It's a lot of four-star, five-star guys who commit and who are fan favorites all before they step onto the field or court. And as soon as they start playing, uh, then people end up turning on that player and they're ready to get over to the next guy so unfortunately for those those uh, uh you know that program right there it's been a lot of uh hype but not a lot of delivery when it comes to these guys Absolutely
0: right. Uh, I want to get back to a question we had before we brought uh, you know, uh, Joe Golding on the show, and that is what do you do if you're sitting next to uh, a fan of the opposing team in a big rivalry? So Adrian and I have the same answers. What about you, Zay, and, and you, Chema? How would you handle that if you've got a, a really over-the-top fan right next to you?
2: Well, yeah, if he's an over-the-top fan, he's talking trash. Well, I'm going to talk my he? You know
0: anyway, first up, how do you know it's a he? How, oh, how do you know it's yeah, not yeah, a yeah. she? I mean, you're it right, could be yeah. anybody, right?
2: Whoever is sitting next to me, if they're going to talk their trash, I'm going to talk my trash, right? But if they're just chill, I'm going to be chill with them. We're going to become friends, and, um, yeah, we're just going to have fun. But,
0: yeah, that's my opinion. So you'll trash talk right back is what you're telling me. Right back. I got you. All right. uh, What about you, uh, Chema? How would you handle it?
2: You see, Steve, uh, I'm honestly going to have to agree exactly with, with what Zay said because we were actually talking about this off air, and me and Zay were literally just, like, finishing each other's sentences over here
0: funny. I like that. So you, you two are basically one and the same. Alright. That is a good a good way to handle it. I like that. Uh, John Tys're going to be coming up here in a little bit uh, during our final countdown live from, from Hudson's. Where we'll be joining him in just a little more than 20 minutes from now. But first, if you are looking at buying or selling your home and you're... We're presented by Tropicana Homes, an official sponsor of the
7: UTEP Miners. Tropicana Homes, El Paso's most trusted home builder since 1950. The Miners getting set to head to San Antonio on Friday and Saturday's season finale, Conference USA Play. The Miners and the nationally ranked UTSA Roadrunners. Our coverage begins at 12.30 with the Longhorn Distributing. Countdown to kickoff show right here, 600 ESPN El Paso and the UTEP Miners app. I want to remind you that Hudson's is open nearly every day during the year, but not this Thursday. Thanksgiving Hudson's will be closed, but it will be open uh, again on Friday, Saturday, and, of course, Sunday for all the NFL action as well. Open daily at 11 a.m., and Sundays they open a little early at 10.30 a.m. for your NFL viewing pleasure, and, of course, with the uh, brand-new NFL tailgate menu as well. Well, Dana, the Miners uh, getting set to uh, play their final game of the uh, season. Closed out the home schedule on uh, Saturday on a bitterly cold day against uh, FIU. And what a performance. And as we talked about after the game, uh, the irony for me is, and we've talked about it every week, the Miners haven't been a particularly fast-starting team this year. And on the coldest day of the year, you started quickly and you finished quickly as well.
8: Yeah, we had, uh, you know, we were really thought the coin toss again was going to be really, really important. Um, you know, when the wind was like it was and the conditions like they were, and we didn't have any control over it. We lost the coin toss. So that part of it, they got the wind, you know, and, uh, and deferred and gave us the ball, but we did exactly what we needed to do. You know, the big, uh, the biggest play of that drive was the third and seven conversion where Calvin had the option to throw it or run it. And he converted it with the run running part of the, of the read of his play. And, um, and then from that point on, we just executed really, really well. You know, Calvin had a good drive, and the offense had a really good drive. The line moved the ball for the backs. The backs ran hard, and we converted some good passes. And, and uh, Calvin checked to some of those, ties, you know, himself, you know, RPOs off of our run game and did a nice, smart, you know, did some nice, smart things off of it. And uh, we got the ball in the end zone, and, and, and that was really big on that first drive. Calvin,
7: I think, now has made two starts at UTEP. And, of course, a lot of times he doesn't know even as a backup when he's coming into the game. And I think that shows how well that he prepares himself, which is so critical.
8: Oh, so critical. And never, you know, complains when he doesn't get in and never mopes and always roots really, really hard for, for Gavin to do well, but really always has himself prepared. And it's such a valuable lesson for everybody to look at the way Calvin prepares himself. Um, and, and And not just football, but you know i mean that's that 's how you have to be in this in any junction or any function that you 're doing uh, in your life. You have to be ready right You have to prepare yourself whether things are going your way or they 're not going your way. You still have to prepare when your, when your opportunity comes because a lot of guys want to complain oh i 'm not getting my opportunity i 'm not getting my opportunity i 'm not getting and then when they get it they don't perform because they never prepared well enough
7: what calvin does have with all the years he's been in the system at utep since 2018 is plenty of practice experience in this system
8: yes and and he loves it you know he uses all the tools and he goes so far back in the system with us there's some things that we haven't run for three or four years and, and and he and he knows those things you know he knows all the parts of the of the system and he uses every little tool that he has uh, when he's out there playing
7: kept the ball for nearly six minutes from that uh, opening kickoff had a 10-yard gain a five-yard gain 11-9-5 five, and then finally on the third and goal it was calvin that got the touchdown
8: yeah and um you know finished it off with a nice second effort on the on the quarterback sneak right there but th- we did a lot of good things throughout that drive and one of them the biggest thing was getting the touchdown and the second biggest thing tice was eating off five minutes and 45 seconds on that first drive you know that was big because we wanted to chew up some clock while you know and not have to punt you know into the wind much
7: and then fiu came out on the field for the first time offensively and went three and out in fact they went three and out on each of their first two possessions finally got a little something going on their third possession it started later in the first quarter they had 12 possessions offensively in the game. Eight three and outs, plus a turnover, plus a minor safety. So as you pointed out, uh, only twice on their 12 drives, they even have a first down in the game. So dominant was that minor yeah, defense. Yeah,
8: crazy. Yeah, and uh, that's an interesting stat that you shared with me earlier that I wasn't sure. I had no idea, and that's just really put two two drives where they got first downs. That's just unbelievable type of effort that our defense put together and and again Tosh this is an offensive football team and this football team has had some success offensively against uh, multiple teams in our conference.
7: Miner's third offensive possession resulted in your second touchdown good field position to start it at your own uh, 41 yard line it started with a complete pass to uh, to Tyron Smith and then a six yard gain a 12 yard gain a couple of five yard gains and Then Ray Flores, who saw more action in the backfield than we had seen in any game this year, finish it off with a 10-yard run.
8: He ran. Ray brings so much different of a twist to our backs, and so those three guys together just really complement each other, and Ray just has a certain feel for running the football, and we introduced a new package. We introduced a package we had put in in the summer where Ray lines up at receiver and then comes back in to the backfield during the play to be a running back, and what that does is that causes – that caused them some fit issues because they were a team that when you lined up in a certain formation, they would get their safeties in a good position, and this allowed us to get Ray in the backfield, get us into a two-back formation without them being able to adjust their fits, and so it was really a good little uh, package that we had put in for the game.
7: You know, there probably aren't too many teams in the country that can run out three backs, the quality of Ronnie Awad, Deon Hankins, and Ray Flores. No,
8: and, and that run so hard. You know, those three guys are physical runners, and so I'm so proud to have those guys and really excited about what they've done so far this year and, you know, how they play the game and and uh, how hard they run. It's really neat and how they complement each other as well.
7: Again, uh, FIU started to drive late in the first quarter that extended into the second quarter took it to the minor 25 yard line but by that time they're driving into the wind and the wind impacts their field goal yeah
8: absolutely and we did a great job of locking them down right there you know what i mean and locking them down at the 25 and now all of a sudden it's a 42 yard field goal right and so if we let them get one more first down it's a lot easier field goal but 42 yards into the wind and of course Uh, The pressure that we put on field goals, Tysh, you know, we really are a really, really good field goal rush team. And our guys, because of the effort that they put forth on that play, you know kickers watch the tape and they understand that you know we're going to get there and they better execute it perfectly or we got a great chance to block the kick
7: when the winds are blowing like they were on saturday gavin beckley's going to have an advantage against <laughs> anybody that comes in on the visiting team because yeah. he's been dealing with it for
8: five years yeah and it's unfortunate that we're never going to get to see him kick again in that in that uh, stadium you know uh, we shouldn't say it. you never say it, never in this business but that because uh, he's really handled it well, and the winds just do not affect him in there, and it's really cool to see.
7: Miners' uh, first possession of the second quarter, a couple of big plays uh, lead to your third touchdown of the afternoon. Uh, Calvin finding Kelly Akari uh, with a 25-yard completion, and then uh, Ray Flores ripping off another 40. Uh, 40- three-yard run diving at the pylon and, and reaching the end zone yeah
8: we had run you know that was another one of our plays most of Ray's runs were off that package that we had put in and uh, the line they had pressured us on that run and the line did a really nice job of fitting up the, the linebacker blitzes and uh, Ray popped it through there and once he got in the open field he had a nice knack slashing to the boundary and and then uh, getting the ball right across the end zone
7: 21 nothing minors early in the second quarter fiu's next possession started with a kelton moss sack of the quarterback and yet another three and out
8: yeah i thought our d line played really really well in the game uh did some really good things we got some really good play from our interior we got two sacks from our d tackles in the game tice which was really good to get some inside sacks those guys worked so hard it was nice for them to get to see the fruits of their labor and and uh you know again continue the effective play that our defense had all night.
7: Miners followed that up with yet another touchdown drive. It started uh, with Dion ripping off a 22-yard run. Ronnie Awat following with a 15-yard run, and then the touchdown pass from uh, Calvin to. Uh, Tyron Smith along the right side of the end zone yeah
8: and Calvin checked to that play you know he saw a look that that was conducive to the play and he got the ball to Tyrant. saw a good matchup but what a throw and what a catch that was you know it wasn't particularly you know wide open by any means but the ball was right on the money and and the catch was really good by T
7: 28 nothing at that point followed by another three and out for FIU and then the Miners strike in one play Calvin to Kelly Akari You went up and got it at about the 15-yard line, wrestled it away from the defender and went and scored.
8: Yeah, Kelly's got, uh, he's got really strong hands and a really tremendous vertical. He can jump. You know, he's got a great vertical for a guy as big as he is, and he got to display it, you know, and we've all been talking about kelly's ability and it's good to see him have the type of game that he had and to make the plays that he that he had because he's definitely you know a really really good player that's just going to continue to get better and better
7: second longest pass play of the year for the Miners, uh, 68 yards akari finishing uh, one yard short of a hundred which would have been his first uh, 100 yard game on fiu's uh, next possession Uh, They were forced to punt. The Miners were uh, whistled for an unnecessary roughness call. But on the next play, the very next play, Gary Theard picks one off. Theard, who's uh, been hurt a lot of the year, has played some on special teams, not a whole lot on defense, got an opportunity in his final home game on Saturday, had one and could have had another.
8: Yeah, and, you know, he did get hurt. Like you said, Tyson, it kind of threw him off track for his playing time and and uh i was so angry about the penalty because it was kind of a weird penalty you know the punter was had already punted the ball and was coming down the field and we went and blocked him and they said it was unnecessary roughness you know and so i was so agitated by that play <laughs> that <laughs> with the interception got i got over it real fast after that interception so that was good so uh and then you know we're back at it you know got a chance to get some more points on the board
7: And uh, the Miners do indeed do that as they start at the FIU uh, 43-yard line, a 16-yard run by Hankins, another uh, pass to Walter Dawn for seven, and uh, you settled for a field goal, a 25-yard field goal by uh, Gavin Beckley right before the half.
8: Yeah, and that was good. You know, we got points on the board there, you know, and that was the big thing. We didn't have a lot of time, but we had all three of our timeouts, and so we were able to move the ball down the field and, and get some points, some added points on the board.
7: So thirty-eight to nothing at that point. Now, what's your mindset when you go in leading by that kind of a margin?
8: Well, the mindset was this: is that I, the challenge to the guys was, you know, we work so hard to have the opportunity to play football games. You work all year to have them, and I said, so now uh, we got to take this game one and zero and play, you know, one play at a time and say stay real focused on. Uh, playing good football fundamentally sound football each and every play and just play you know just some, when you're down at halftime you say hey it's zero zero when you're ahead like that at halftime you know it's zero zero as well and, and stay locked in and for the most part you know i thought our guys uh, you know did a lot of good things in the second half as well,
7: well well your defense certainly got the message all three fiu possessions in that third quarter Three and out.
8: Yeah, absolutely. And the offense, you know, uh, the first—I wasn't happy with the first drive that we had in the third quarter. um, But we did pop a first down on the first play, and then you know I wasn't happy how we finished it after that. But we were being smart, and we were already starting to implement some of our guys, some of our seniors that haven't played, and some of our younger guys, and being smart, you know, uh, because obviously, a, being smart, b, giving guys that work so hard a chance to play. And C being respectful to your opponents, you know, I'm not ever going to be somebody to run a score up on somebody right. when you're ahead right. like that. So right. there was a lot of that that was part of, you know, part of it in the second half.
7: Well, particularly a conference opponent that you're going to have to play again because it, FIU, like the miners, yeah. staying in conference we're USA, got to fly
8: down to Miami sure. and right. play them next year, right? And so um, you always got to think about that too. You know, you don't want to give them any extra fuel. Uh, My- for next year's game
7: Miners second possession they overcome a holding call so you started with the first and 20 and actually uh, worked out of that got a first down on that drive yeah
8: yeah that was good and and um you know we only had three penalties on the night tice which was right. really good too right. it was a clean it was really a clean game that way um and that's important for us you know and we you know minimized our turnovers we had the we had the one turnover that we can talk about you know as we get closer to that part of it that was really just somebody you know Calvin trying to get the ball to you know his his old teammate Josh Farr and um and had the turnover but I was really happy with the, the way we played and how controlled of football we played throughout the night
7: yeah there was no scoring in the third quarter and then that first series of the fourth quarter as you mentioned uh Calvin was hit from the blind side
8: yeah he's hit from the blind side he had he had um we had a run play on, and he had put an RPO on it, which he had done really well earlier in the game. And uh, what happened is they brought a, a corner a corner blitz, and uh, we really should have picked it up. You know, we just didn't didn't see it, and uh, could have had somebody there to pick it up for him. And he had it to his blind side, and he got hit, and the ball. We know the rest of the story. The ball popped out and went their way, and they got a, a score off of it. But but at that time, the game was under control.
7: They missed the two point play, so it's a 38 to six game At uh, that point, and then the Miners next possession, you kept the ball for eight minutes,
8: yeah eight minutes, yeah, that was big during that period of time in the game to do, to do that that probably the most important thing we could do right there, right is keep the ball for a long period of time, getting points you know obviously wasn 't near as important as just starting to chew up the clock, and so that was a big drive for us
7: and i don 't think the miners threw the ball once on that possession, uh, fourth and goal from the one yard line we 're all hoping that uh, Senior El Paso and Jalen Joseph was going to get yes. that uh, touchdown. We thought so for a moment, and I know. then they went to video I review. Know. That's
8: a shame. I thought about that on the drive over tonight. I'm like, gosh, it would have been really nice for Jalen to get a touchdown on his last game. know as a as a senior for us and um you know he's done such a great job and he's got you know he's getting his he's getting his master's now he's almost finished with his master's and so he had more eligibility left but he said what am i gonna do work on my doctorate doctorate you know so he's he's done so well in the classroom which i'm really proud of too
7: but fiu has to start at their own one and two plays into their drive the miners tackle lexington joseph in the end zone as uh, jalen rudolph and Wright and Thompson combined to uh, give the Miners two more points.
8: Crazy there, right? We had two tackles for losses in, in a row when they got the ball at the, you know, whatever. What, it was less than the one yard line where they got the ball. The first one, he barely reached it out and got over. And the second one, you know, we got there and it was Batman Blake Thompson that made the play. You know, the, one of the guys we had on the show that got was part of the safety there.
7: And that makes it a forty to six game. That's the way it ends. You got Torrance Burgess into the game. You got Kevin Hurley into the game. Uh, a lot of guys that uh, have uh, worked uh, hard all year long and don't necessarily get a chance to see the field on Saturday. Virtually everybody got into the game.
8: Yeah, we got Luma and the Kelly on the line into the game. Right. We Still got one more game he can play. Otis Pitts. Otis Pitts. Otis Pitts. You know Luma's red shirting, but he can play for his. Joseph played. Amidiato. Joseph Amidiato. He's a high school product. Here's the other one. J. L. Duran. A local product. Yeah, got into the game. It. I yeah. didn't see that. Yeah, JL got into the game. You told really, me on that one. I <laughs> was really excited about JL getting in the game. And, um, uh, you know, Jacob Trim got to play. Uh, you know, we uh, Rashad Beecham got to play in the game. Michael Young got to play in the game. I mean, the list goes on and on, you know, uh, offensively and defensively. Like I said, I think of the guys that aren't redshirting, we probably got 95% of our roster in the game.
7: The numbers the final numbers staggering 79 offensive plays to 43 525 total yards to 71 335 yards rushing to 15 190 passing yards to 56 42 minutes time of possession in the game the miners 8 of 15 on third down the panthers just two out of 12 and the miners converted four times in the red zone as
8: well all touchdowns yeah um you know in the uh, time of possession stats the only stat uh, the only uh recording that i can get rounds it doesn't round up you know and i know we're fifth in the country right now in time of possession but i think we're probably higher because if you're at a certain minute everybody that's in that minute is 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 tied you know for they t- you 're tied for it, so we 're fifth, but we might be as high as third in the country in possession time, which is really you know a super important stat because it 's hard for them to score when when you have the football
7: field position as well uh, the miners average starting at their own thirty five the uh, panthers at their own uh 21-yard line it was just a completely dominant uh, performance on Saturday
8: yeah really proud of the way the guys prepared and and um, you know I thought we handled the 16-day layoff the way it needed to be handled Ty you, know, you, you look fresh yeah we looked fresh and uh, you know I went back and I evaluated and I said we played with a lot of energy a lot of juice and so I felt like what we did the things we worked on uh you know really helped us you know and we and we we, we started you know, a, a new player at corner, and uh, he did a really good job for us. Josiah Allen played really well at corner, and uh, and um, you know, I thought uh, Amir uh, Boyd Matthews played really well at corner too. A true freshman, you know, and so I was really pleased with the play out there, you know, defending the passing game, and, and that was big for us in that game.
7: All right, let's get to the uh, players of the week. We'll start on offense and. Uh could have gone a number of different ways, but uh, Ray Flores was certainly a good choice.
8: Yeah, Ray Flores was a pretty easy choice, you know. Um, his numbers were really, you know, really good, and he was very versatile playing, playing both positions and doing it really, really well.
7: Laufenberg, the Luke Laufenberg Hustle Award for this team went to uh, Calvin Brownholtz.
8: Calvin Brownholtz for just the way he led his football team and the spark that he provided, you know, having himself ready and prepared.
7: Scout Team Offensive Award winner was uh, wide receiver Jalen Davis.
8: Yeah, and we've talked about him before on the show. He's a, a, a young guy that uh, got here, uh, a transfer from Houston, from the University of Houston, and uh, is going to be a really good receiver. I really like the way he prepares and what he's going to do for us. Defensive Player of the Week, a four-way tie, and
7: deservedly so, the great uh, performance on Saturday. Gary Thierd, Blake Thompson, Kelton Moss. Dennis Barnes.
8: Yeah, some guys that haven't necessarily got the award this year that uh, did a lot of good things in the game and and, uh, really proud for those guys to get the recognition because that means a lot to them.
7: Defensive Luke Laufenberg Hustle Award winners, Tyson Wilson and Kobe Hilton, who's had... A terrific first season as a minor.
8: Yeah, we, uh, you know, we we knew what kind of physical ability Kobe had, but we didn't know how he'd p- apply it in his first year because he's got three years of eligibility, you know. So he's. Um, it's nice to have him and really having him playing at the level that he plays at. And then Tyson Wilson is just a really good football player and really cares about his team and just makes plays out there when, when he's out there. So it's really fun to watch uh, watch those two play there in the secondary together
7: defensive scout team award winner a wide receiver giving that uh, minor defense uh, a good picture was uh, kyle mcnamara
8: yeah kyle does a great job in every phase and fashion of our football team helping us and he actually we started him on kickoff cover Taish and the first kickoff he went down the field and created some havoc and got everybody fired up and uh, we knew that's exactly what he would do
7: special teams player of the week uh, josh sloan handled the uh,
8: swirling winds, i think quite well really well you know and um he, the first punt that he had to punt into the wind was a 42-yard punt with no return. And uh, just hit it just pure as you can hit it. As you know, all of us, you can let the wind get in your head, you know, on the golf course, wherever it may be. And we sure. know the, the true thing to hitting a good good ball into the wind on the golf course is just nice and smooth and hit it steady. And that's what, that's what he was doing and was really proud of his effort.
7: He's had such a consistent season.
8: Yeah, really consistent. He's such a talent, Ty. He's just a super talented player. And he's just going to get better and better as time goes along. And he'll be a guy that will It will surprise me if Josh doesn't end up, you know, kicking and making money, kicking, you know, putting the ball in the NFL. Special teams Luke Laufenberg uh,
7: honoree was uh, Mikel Broussard from the secondary.
8: Yes, Mikel coming off the injury. He's been out for quite a while, and we talked about and You made a big note about him being back and how that plays a big part of our success. And he uh, played really, really well and, and uh, played through the – the knee injury and he's got himself back and ready to go
7: and the special teams uh scout team honoree was ryan gonzalez
8: yeah ryan's another uh local product that came from our our walkout our walk on tryout and uh, did a really good job there and caught our eyes and he's been a you know really a nice addition to the team great way to end the home season the miners 40 and the fiu panthers six all
7: right we're going to take a timeout when we come back jimmy gonzalez he's got some stories to tell. The Director of Recruiting and Player Personnel for UTEP Football will join us, so stay with us. Pepsi is the official beverage sponsor of UTEP Athletics, and Martin Funeral Home is a proud sponsor of UTEP Athletics and UTEP Football with Dana Dimmel. Visit martinfuneralhome.com. Jimmy Gonzalez, when we come back from Hudson's Classic Grill, presented by Tropicana Homes. This is UTEP Football with Dana Dimmel. Welcome back. It's the Thanksgiving week edition of UTEP football with Dana Dimmel. Miners will leave on Friday for San Antonio and Saturday's uh, regular season finale. Miners and the nationally ranked UTSA Roadrunners. Again, coverage at 1230 this Saturday right here on 600 ESPN El Paso and on the UTEP Miners app. And Miner fans, uh, we urge you to spend Thanksgiving week with your UTEP men's basketball team. The Miners will host the Jim Forbes Classic presented by Speaking Rock in the Don Haskins Center. Tomorrow night, the Miners will take on Alcorn State at 7 o'clock. Then on Wednesday night, Cal State Bakersfield at 7 o'clock. And Texas A&M Corpus Christi on Friday, November 25th at 2 p.m. Bring the whole family, enjoy some great basketball, and celebrate an El Paso icon. The Jim Forbes Classic, again, presented by Speaking Rock and Hotel Paso del Norte. Now, tomorrow is Taco Tuesday. Three tacos for $5, margaritas for $5, and for Friday's matinee, it is Freaky Friday, and all available tickets, all unsold tickets for Friday's doubleheader will go for $9.15. So we're all, when we host family during the holidays, we're always looking for things to do. Why not bring them out to see UTEP basketball? Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock against Alcorn State. Wednesday at 7 o'clock against Cal State Bakersfield. Friday at 2 o'clock against an NCAA tournament team a year ago, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, the Jim Forbes Classic in the Don Haskins Center. For tickets, call 915-747-UTEP. Go online to utepminers.com or come by the Eisenberg Family Ticket Center. Located in the Brumbelow building on Glory Road right next to the Don Haskins Center for your tickets Would you please welcome a gentleman who's been around the UTEP program for the last two years But has been around uh, the game of college football for much much longer than that He serves as UTEP's director of recruiting and player personnel. Welcome Jimmy Gonzalez to UTEP football with Dana Dimble. Jimmy, nice to see you. Thanks for doing this. How are you doing?
9: Doing good. Doing good. Appreciate you having me on this evening.
7: All right. Before we talk about uh, UTEP recruiting and some of your many experiences, you've got your family with you here tonight. Talk about your f- wonderful family.
9: Well, I've been married for, for, to my wife, Mary for 33 years, met through football. She was, a, a, she was an athletic trainer at uh, the undergraduate at the University of Illinois, got her master's in sports medicine in North Carolina and her first full-time job. Was at the University of Wisconsin where I met her. And we got married in Madison. And then three daughters. uh, Our oldest was born while we were at Northwestern University. And our middle one was born when we were at Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma. And Maya, our youngest, was born when we were at Oklahoma State.
7: That's a good-looking family you got (laughs) got. I appreciate it. You hear that all the time, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah again as i mentioned utep's director of recruiting and and player personnel so it's always a busy time but particularly now because as soon as the season's over the minors uh, are getting set for the december signing period so talk about uh, where recruiting is at this particular time
9: well we 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 had our first recruiting weekend we i mean well we had we did have a high school prospect in um in, in late october for a game and then we uh we brought in five prospects this last weekend: four junior college, one high school guy, and uh, went through the recruiting weekend, just kind of adjusting it with the game, with the game, uh, with the game and, and going on Saturday as well. So, we're uh, we're getting ready for several recruiting weekends. We got one scheduled for the weekend of December 2nd through the 5th, December 9th through the 11th, and then the uh, 16th through the 18th, and then we've got four, three or four weekends possibly in January.
7: You know, I'm not sure since Coach Dimble's been here that we've ever had a completely full recruiting class. In other words, uh, able to sign up to the maximum number of players. Uh, how many, do you know how many you're going to have? Well, actually, that's a variable too because of the transfer portal. You never right. know exactly how many you have, yeah. do you?
9: Yeah, Coach and me sat down, you know, in the beginning of the season, just sat down midway through, and then right here at the end, kind of the magic number, just kind of playing, it was 25. Just seeing where it goes from there. But everything's changed. I mean, like I've told people, you know, in the last three, four years, you know, in the 40-plus years we've been involved in this game, we've had, we've had the, grad, the grad transfer. We thought that was a big deal. A guy graduates, can transfer and be automatically eligible. We had COVID, which brought in the extra year, NIL, which that, that brought on a whole new thing. And then we've got, we've got the transfer porter and NIL. And those four factors, those four things that have occurred, have had as much of an impact on uh, the trajectory of what what's going on with recruiting.
7: You've got all kinds of experience as, as not only a coach but a recruiting coordinator, uh, served as the recruiting coordinator at Tulsa, at uh, the University of Wisconsin, as you mentioned, at, uh, at uh, the University of Oklahoma, at uh, the United States Military Academy, which had to be a tremendous honor, and on and on and on. Now, what do you like uh, most, what do you enjoy most about recruiting?
9: You know, just, just having a chance to interact with the with the people and being being involved with um, with young people. Uh, just enjoyed that. You know, through the years, I remember when I first used to go home, I used to call the parents. I was a lot younger, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and now I call them by their first name, you know. Uh, so things have changed. But but just meeting the people, and I enjoyed it when I was younger to get an opportunity to just travel. Being in Wisconsin, always flying back to Texas, recruiting and just all different parts of the country.
7: Now – when you talk about recruiting coordinator, talk about what that all encompasses. Uh, for one thing, I would imagine you have to coordinate the activities of every one of the miners' assistants that's able to go out on the road.
9: Yeah, we we sit down together, and you know, each each coach has their particular area, and we we kind of plan, and they kind of plan, we kind of work together through coach and saying, okay, this is what we're going to hit. These are the schools we want to, you know, can, can formulate a list. I mean, it's it's ongoing; it never ends. I mean, it starts. So-called with the cycle, and in the spring we go spring recruiting. In the old days we used to call it junior recruiting because you just went out and got juniors, and but you came back with a list. And if you sent out that first letter to them talking about your university by July 1st, you think you're ahead of the game, you know. But it's changed tremendously. But it's it's kind of the same thing: formulating the list, continuing to evaluate, continue to look at players. It's a process of elimination. You eliminate them, them eliminating you for whatever reason, and kind of all fits together and and, um, you know we just kind of get a chance to evaluate the guys and decide to get them on campus and see what kind of fits there for our program.
7: You can't talk about individual names until those prospects uh, sign national letters of intent so obviously we won't do that but uh, we can talk about what the miners might be looking for this year. There might be some areas where uh, uh, you think that uh, you need to fill some holes. What are the areas uh, that miners are are going to uh, concentrate on uh, defensively and offensively
9: speaking you know we're always looking for offensive linemen and defensive line. you can never find enough defensive linemen and then that that corner that cornerback position you just there's just not enough of those guys you know through the years and so those are always a priority and then you kind of fill in who's the next player after that you know yeah there's some needs but who is the next best football player that can that can contribute to your football program
7: You'll never turn down a good quarterback either, will you?
9: Oh, uh, never, no, nah, never, never do that. There's, you never have enough quarterbacks. Learn that.
7: Miners have done such a terrific job in the junior college ranks. Is that uh, going to be a point of, of emphasis again it, this year? Yes,
9: it is. You know, and it's hard. You know, nowadays, um, you know, you got these junior college guys, and you got a lot of good players that are going to junior college that are getting missed for what you know for just with the numbers. Like I said, the numbers are kind of you know jumped up together just because of all the things that happened as i mentioned earlier but there's a lot of good players that that are somewhat being missed and then the numbers of you know there's not enough numbers to fill the spot so it's hard to turn down a guy that's maybe already 20 years old that has three years of eligibility left and sometimes those guys still may have four you know just with everything that that's that's happening here with with covid and nil i mean all those things combined
7: You've got, I'm sure, any number of recruiting stories that you could tell, but there are a couple in particular that you've mentioned to me. Why don't you tell us about those?
9: There's one. that When I was at the University of Tulsa in the mid-'80s, um, we had this recruiting weekend, and uh, we happened to have both Andre Ware and Barry Sanderson the same weekend. And uh, we probably would have messed them up because we were running the beer offense. So Andre, you know, he was, he was a beer quarterback from Dickinson, Texas, they were running the beer back then, so he wasn't throwing the ball much. I mean, it came down to Houston and us. They were running the beer. He wound up going to Houston. Now, obviously, they later changed coaching staff. They got into the running shoot with John Jenkins, so he started throwing the ball. But we would, we kept with the beer, and the other one was Barry. Barry was from Wichita, Kansas, and he they were in the same weekend, and we would have messed him up because he would probably only gotten the ball about five or ten times a game, depending upon the reads. But... We had both those guys in, and then I did, a, I did an internship with the Detroit Lions several years later when I was at Oklahoma. And th- both those guys were on the roster while I was there during training camp working with the DBs. And I mentioned it to them, and I knew Andre through some people, and I mentioned it to them, um, and they, they, they had no recall. They did not know that they were there on the same recruiting weekend.
7: That's an amazing story, just an amazing story. As I mentioned, you've spent time at uh, U.S. Military Academy, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, Texas, Duke, Oklahoma. What a career. What, of all of those schools, of all of the schools, of all of the programs that you've been a part of, there's got to be a favorite or two.
9: I say Wisconsin, Guess where I remember my wife, you know. You know? That, that's a yeah. darn
7: good answer. That's <laughs> All right, so the second favorite.
9: Oh, yeah, you know, Notre Dame was really neat. Texas I mean they're all really really they all held a, a, a special place you know and, and I'm grateful to be here too I'm grateful for coach Dimble giving me the uh, opportunity to kind of get back into it a long time ago some people said I was out of it for a little bit still involved with football but some people said well you done you done with college football and I said well I'm not done but I think it may be done with me
7: yeah.
9: but I was very fortunate coach gave me the opportunity to get back into it and um, I'm tickled to death to be here
7: you know I we haven't compared ages, but it's probably comparable. You and me. It never leaves your blood, does it? No, it does. Never, no. never.
9: No. ask my family. Ask my wife. She knows too. Yeah.
7: And it's the people, isn't
9: it? It is. It is. That, you know, especially as you've gotten, uh, you've been doing this for a few, you know, quite a few years. You realize that it's, it's it is all about the people. And uh, we got a great staff. Uh, we got a great leader, Coach Dimple. Excited about you know, what he's done here. I saw it from a distance while I wasn't here and have known him for 20-plus years um, and realized what he's done and, and the plan that he's had and how where, where it came from, you know, where it came from.
7: And what a great opportunity the Miners have this Saturday to get themselves bowl eligible.
9: Uh, that, yeah, that'd be, uh, that, that's a big game, big game in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, we're excited about it. Excited to go back to San Antonio, too, as well. It would be, it'd be great to come away with the victory, yes.
7: Well, it's been fun to get to know you over the last couple of years, and we are fortunate to have you as part of the UTEP football program. Thanks for coming by and sharing some of your... Experience and uh, talking a little bit about recruiting in general terms. That's all we can do at this point. But uh, all the best of luck as the December signing period approaches and then, of course, into February as well. Thanks for doing this, Jimmy.
9: I appreciate it. Thank you very much.
7: Jimmy Gonzalez joining us uh, here on the program at uh, Hudson's. Pepsi is the official beverage sponsor of UTEP Miners Athletics. We come back. We'll talk with Coach Dimmel about the UTSA Roadrunners, Saturday's opponent in the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, We're presented by Tropicana Homes. We're at Hudson's Classic Grill. This is UTEP football with Dana Dimmel. The Brumbelow building on Glory Road for your tickets. UTEP volleyball against New Mexico State, 12 noon on Wednesday in Memorial Gym. The Miners head for San Antonio on Friday. It's the Miners and the UTSA Roadrunners Saturday afternoon. Again, our coverage begins at 1230 the Longhorn distributing countdown to kickoff show right here on 600 ESPN El Paso and on the UTEP Miners app. Otherwise, this is a uh, normal week uh, for UTEP football. You practice today, we'll do so again tomorrow and Wednesday and then have a Thanksgiving Day uh tune up on thursday
8: yeah i love playing football on thanksgiving uh weekend i always think it's uh it seems like through the years there's been a lot of big important games uh, on that weekend for us and the programs that i've been involved in and so uh just something about uh you know it football and thanksgiving to me uh, are very synonymous
7: and of course the team will have a thanksgiving meal together you guys spend so much time together really now around the uh around the uh, year throughout the year and, and certainly once uh, camp gets underway in
8: August. Yeah, we've been going at it since July, right? That's we, right. Yeah, <laughs> this year it was really interesting. July 27th was our first day of reporting. And, um, but the, just the, we're going to have practice a little bit earlier on, on Thursday. I'll move everything up 30 minutes. So we'll start uh, practice um, at 8.30 instead of 9.00. Uh, you know get off the field and then the guys will shower and we'll have a thanksgiving meal together and then of course they'll have a chance to go out because they've made a lot of friends in the, in the community and they seem to find places to go eat uh, and where people bring them over to the house and and spend time with them too so i think that's pretty neat as well
7: i've always wondered how many turkeys and hams a football team can put <laughs> away in uh, in one
8: city you'll huh? have to ask Pos that Pos, yep. that's Pos's, yep. yeah, that's his deal he could he could quote you. Uh, on, on what we put away on that day. But it's pretty fun to see that and, and um, just great to get together and be thankful for all the things that, you know, that's what it's all about, being thankful um, for all the blessings that these guys have in their lives. You know, these guys are blessed uh, human beings because of the talent that they've been given, you know, the God-given talent that they have and, and not, you know, they have to. you have to be pretty smart, you know, to, to, to play college football. you got to no be question. a good student. No you got to be a disciplined, good student to get yourself to that stage because first of all it's not easy to qualify a you got to be a good student to qualify and then b to get the hours that these guys put in and then get the grades that they that they have to get uh, uh to to advance academically they're blessed they're blessed young people
7: before we move on and talk about uh, utsa how lucky are the minors to have jimmy gonzalez heading up your recruiting efforts a guy of his experience
8: yeah it's his experience and and then he cares a lot about what he does and it's funny because as a head coach you you know you're visiting with the parents and and we just had a weekend this weekend you know we had some you know really good young men and i'll ask them questions and and they'll come back to me that they've already been educated on the things i want to be educated on and so that is a tribute to jimmy who organized it also you know to our staff because they're saying and doing the things that I want to be communicated, but Jimmy, you know, organizes that and oversees it. So it's a group effort, um, but they're really doing a nice job of that, making sure that all the right things are being said to these recruits.
7: What are a couple of things in all the years you've been doing this, a couple of the things, the biggest things that maybe you've learned about uh, recruiting effectively?
8: Yeah, you know, to me, the number one thing to recruiting is, is, is to bringing in, you know, the prospects, obviously, evaluation, I think, you learn so much about evaluation. Evaluation is the key to recruiting. That's the key because you got to be able to know talent because some guys don't have a good feel for it. I was blessed to be around some really great evaluators in my coaching career. You know, I thought that uh, Bill Snyder and Dell Miller, who was from Iowa, you know, they did such a great job turning Iowa around. They were able to teach me how to evaluate. And so I think that I've learned a lot about evaluation. But then the, the, once you get them into your, on your campus, it's being straightforward, do not not ever tell them anything that's not true be faithful to what you say and be a sincere person because parents are looking for sincerity and what kind of quality of character that you're going to have to lead their men.
7: All right, let's talk about Saturday's opponent and it certainly is a tall order for the Miners closing out the season trying to get themselves bowl eligible against the UTSA Roadrunners but what it is more than anything else and you said it today when you talked to the uh, the local media—it's a great opportunity.
8: It's a great opportunity, and that's what we talked about. We got to make the most of the opportunity. We're going to have to play really, really good football to get a win, Tice. But we've played some really, really good football. We've played, you know, we played—you know—we we played the game we played against Boise State. Um, Boise is, I think, the third team in the country right now defensively. I mean, they are an outstanding football team. Um, and they're the best team in the Mountain West, right? And so we beat the best team in the Mountain West this year, and now we got to beat the, the number one team in, in Conference USA. And, the, and I think the leagues are very equitable this year. Uh, I'm not so sure our league's not better this year. I really think our league is better. I know I'm, you know, a little bit uh, – bias but i do think we're better you know and so we gotta we gotta beat the best team in our league this year team with the best record in our league and we gotta play really really good football to do that
7: last year when utsa came into the sun bowl they were unbeaten they were nationally ranked and right from the get-go in fact on the second play from scrimmage sincere mccormick Raced 75 yards for a touchdown. and The Miners were behind the eight ball. Yeah. Thereafter in that game, you're going to have to get off to a good start and sustain it. On yeah, Saturday. we took
8: a big shot early and and we never got our breath back. You know, we got one to the ribs and never got it back. And they got after us and did a really good job last year. And they were playing. We were we were playing good football when they rolled in. We were, you know, a, a six and two football team and just had lost a close 28-25 game to Florida Atlantic. Um, you know, as one of our losses, and our other loss being Boise, so we were playing really good football at the time, and they came in and played great, beat us, and, uh, you know, um, but that was last year, you know, and uh, so this year's this year, we gotta, we gotta be ready for a really good football team.
7: Roadrunners have had another good season, nine and two, they've won eight in a row, they're uh, the only unbeaten in Conference USA at seven and zero, and just today, Were they ranked uh, for the first Uh, time this year? So certainly, uh, in so many uh, areas, you've got your work cut out for you. Well,
8: deserving to be ranked, and they're they're deep, and they're and they and they play hard, and they got a great quarterback, and they got some special receivers. They got some special tight ends and um, a lot of speed and athleticism on defense what
7: is the thing that concerns you the most about them
8: the the thing is is giving up the big plays against them you know we got to do a great job of giving up the big you know not giving up the big plays and and you and i talked about it earlier touch we got to come out and start fast and we, we can't wait around for things to happen we got to go out and make things happen in this ball game right from the get-go
7: frank harris uh finally uh, this i think is his last uh, year of eligibility He's completing almost 70% of his passes. He's throwing for 286 yards a game, 24 touchdowns, the 16th best quarterback rating in the country, and he can move around a little bit too. He's 525 yards rushing yeah. as well, so obviously you've got to contain him. You
8: can't let him get out of the pocket. No, he, he loves to play the game of football, and he plays it with great energy. He's smart and, and knows, knows what to do and how to do it, and he's just a great leader of their program.
7: They don't have a sincere McCormick as, as a ball carrier this year, but you mentioned all of their receivers. Uh, Joshua Cephas, Zakari Franklin, uh, you can go right on down the line. Uh, Decorian uh, Clark, they're all talented, they're all big, they're all physical, they can all run.
8: Yeah, and I talked to the pro scouts, and the pro scouts like Clark the best of them all. You know, he's kind of come on this year and done some special things. They think he's a very high draft pick, you know. Um, he's out for this game. He's been out the last couple right. of weeks. But Franklin has really stepped up with him out. And Cephas has stepped up. And then Kellogg, you know, has stepped up. I talked about that today at the press conference. The third guy is Kellogg, who stepped up and done some really good things for him. So they're very deep. And then the tight end, those two tight ends are such big threats for him, too. They actually have three tight ends that that play for him, you know, uh, Cardenas. Cardenas goes 285. Yeah, Cardenas, and he can move. And then they got um, Dishman, and they got um, Gavin Sharp. Gavin Sharp, number 87, another good player. Absolutely. What about the Roadrunners on defense? The Roadrunners on defense is just, when you turn on the film, they're playing a ton of guys, right? Yes. And, uh, I mean, all across the board. I mean, the, the, you and I can talk about that later here, too, Tice. But, you know, when I, when I took over this program, I thought. Uh, uh, Frank Wilson had done a really good job recruiting. I knew when we play him, you'd go watch him and say they got 12 defensive linemen that can play. They, you know, and they and they and that still remains the case right now. They're very very deep and very very talented all the way across the board defensively.
7: You know, one thing that's going to be interesting to watch in the game. The Miners have been pretty good this year getting off the field on third down. In fact, second in the uh, conference in third down defense. UTSA converts almost 51% of the time yeah. on third down, eighth best in the country. So that's going to be, I think, one of the keys.
8: Yeah, and that, and your third down conversion is a lot about the guy that's behind the center, right? I mean, that's a big part of third down conversions because he's the guy that's got the most stress on him. And Frank does a great job making decisions. You know, on third down, and so we're going to have to play, you know, good up front. You know, obviously that's a big part of the game, but that we're gonna, our D line is going to have to really play well and, and, and put some pressure on Frank and 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 force him to be a little bit out of off his off his normal performance.
7: Roadrunners are one of six programs that are leaving Conference USA for the American Athletic uh, next year. When you talk about their ability to recruit, they are probably in one of the best recruiting areas in all of college football kind of being in central Texas not on the coast not in far west Texas as UTEP is but their recruiting area uh is is probably as good as anyone's in college football. Yeah,
8: and I think if you put, took a poll with college coaches they would say that that you know that's just a premier because of proximity and location uh and the players that are around them there in that area. I mean they they can recruit the, the, of all the group of five schools in, in in the state of Texas, they by far got the best proximity of anybody um, because they can get guys from Dallas, they can get guys from Houston, San Antonio, Austin. And they and can
7: get unofficial visits so easy. Yeah,
8: you get all the unofficial visits. You get high school coaches just bringing guys by all the time to see them, and, and that, that's the biggest thing. You know, I was talking to um, some of the coaches at USC, and they said that's one of the things since they got there from Oklahoma, and they said that's one of the things that's so helpful for them is that they get all these players just coming that are within you know, right. driving distance that they're, they're just coming to their facilities all the time you know and that's such a huge advantage you
7: know tim floyd used to talk about that constantly when he was the head coach here at UTIP after coaching at usc is that the, the the big disadvantage here is you didn't get the number of unofficials as you could at, at, at a lot of other schools
8: well the unofficials is really good you know it's cheap for families then it's able you're able to get around family members which is so important part of recruiting as well right
7: all right we're going to take our final timeout. we'll be back with some uh, closing words from hudson's classic grill presented by tropicana homes this is utep football with dana dimmel